Sassy and Save Podcast on three. One, two, three. Sassy and Save Podcast. Guys, people, guys, people, what's up? Welcome back. How you doing? Are you enjoying your Wednesday? Are you? I hope you are. Living good, feeling better. Getting snatched, drinking water. Growing your edges, minding your business. Hot girl summer is over. Hot nerd summer is on. Hitting the books, steadying, making the grades, and all of that. What's up? How y'all doing? If this is your first time hearing my voice, welcome to the society. And I am your society mover, T Dollar from the B, aka T Dizzle, aka Chef Boyard T, aka. I ran out of names. (laughs) But anywho, if this is your first time hearing my voice, welcome to the society. Welcome to the best day of your life. Shout out to your friend that sent you the podcast. If you're just scrolling on Instagram and the Holy Ghost located you, thank him because you're about to be addicted. Listen, we do a little podcast here. I want to say weekly, but it really hasn't been, has it? I'm hoping for weekly now that I'm all 25 and whatnot. I'm trying to do better in my life. So I'm hoping for weekly moving forward. But we do a little podcast every once in a while called the Sassy and Save Podcast where we talk about current issues from the Christian millennial perspective. And so we welcome you to what you will now be a part of. Our little community, our little group here called the Sass Society. Not society. Sass Society, Okay. Anywho, last week we got into a discussion talking about church hurt. Um, We are in our series right now called I'm a Head Out, Q Spongebob Meme, where we talk about church hurt because I've noticed an influx of believers leaving the faith, the body of Christ, not just the church, but the body of Christ due to church hurt. I feel like every time I go on um, Twitter, I see somebody talking about church hurt or something rather of that sort. Even this week, y'all, like this past week, I saw two instances where people were going crazy on social media. So basically, there was one instance where um, a man of God made a comment about um, a situation um, you guys, you guys probably already saw it and, and, and heard about it. Um, a man of God made a post about a situation saying where, um, people who openly disclose, people who openly disclose the struggles that they're having with mental health should not be put in position. They should not be put in the position of shepherding thousands, hundreds to thousands of people on a daily basis as the role of a head pastor because obviously we know, well some of you don't, but most people know that the role of a head pastor, the role of a pastor is very challenging um, simply because you are dealing with the weight of the problems of everyone. It's not just yourself. And he was basically saying, if you have openly disclosed that mental health is something you struggle with and that's something you're still battling with, that's okay, but you should not be in a position where the problems of others and the issues of others are adding to that. You should be able to deal with what you're dealing with without having to deal with the problems of everyone else, which I thought was a fair comment. I agree with him personally, but some of the saints went crazy and they were attacking him on Twitter talking about he's arrogant and disrespectful and how can he say that uh, pastors are human too and da, da, da. And like honestly I understand pastors are human too he never discredited any of that he just said that if somebody is struggling that much and they've openly said that they're struggling that much they shouldn't have to carry the weight of everybody else which I think is fair but that's not what this is about so people were going crazy talking about you see this is what pastors do this is why I don't go to church blah 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 Ray Tay Tay this that and the third and it was just a whole big thing and I was just reading the comments like wow like this is what I was talking about 
A second instance where we saw the same thing, as you know, Kanye West is coming out with an album called Jesus is Lord or Jesus is King or something because he was at a church the other day and he was professing his love for Christ and people were like, oh my God, God can use anyone. This is amazing. Da, da, da. But some people were just like, oh, wonderful. Like, cool. But I ain't buying it just yet. They're a bit skeptical or whatnot. With people are allowed to have their opinions. But the same thing. People were getting at him. The same another man of God for the same thing. Oh, you're so arrogant, disrespectful, self-righteous. Just because you're this, 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 just because he don't look like this, this, this doesn't mean that he can't be saved and blah blah blah. But the thing is, like, he never said that. <laughs> but that's not what this is about. I just want to point out that this week alone, there were two instances where we saw this topic of church hurt church hurt coming up where we saw people believers people in the in and out of the body of Christ attacking men of God for stating their opinions beliefs revelations what be it on social media and this just goes to talk about what I was discussing in our last episode that Satan is working overtime to discredit the church and men of God he really wants to make it seem as if men of God and the church are out here trying to hurt you instead of leading to instead of leading you to the one that will heal you And I believe it's just the agenda of the enemy. But even in knowing that, I know that real people are affected and real people are hurt by the things that go on in church. Hence why we have church hurt. So as I was preparing for this week, as I was preparing for this second episode, that I really felt the impression of my spirit that this is a a, a plan of the enemy. And the and the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance that the whole that the enemy is not that creative. So he doesn't really come up with new tricks or tips or anything like that. Nothing is really new under the sun with the enemy. So whenever he comes with something or he's doing something, it's something that he's done before. It's never like he comes with a whole new game plan a whole new playbook like it's something that he's done before and when he brought that to my remembrance all I could think about is if that is the case and if my hypothesis is true that this is an attack of the enemy on the church and God's and God's anointed that means that church hurt did not just start even though it's emerging now more than ever it cannot have just started and so I set out into my handy dandy playbook for Christians aka the bible to find an example of church hurt and as I began to pray the Holy Spirit revealed to me that in Revelation John would write letters to seven churches seven churches dealing with different issues The first was a loveless church, the second a persecuted church, the third a compromising church, the fourth a corrupt church, the fifth a dead church, the sixth a faithful church, and the seventh a lukewarm church. And it was then that I realized what the Holy Spirit was telling me with the devil, there's nothing new under the sun. Church hurt isn't a new concept. As I began to read through the scriptures and study the churches, I realized... God being so infinite in his wisdom already gave us the solution to church hurt. And so during and so for the duration of this series, this is what I want to talk about. I want us to dissect all seven of these churches, figure out the remedies, and like I promised, talk from a leadership and a mentor a leadership and a member perspective of having dealed with some of these things we label church hurt. Just to see how we can play our part in making sure that this no longer goes on. So if you with it, let's talk about it. I refuse to believe that this is my fate as a woman. This cannot be it. I was not born to be a trophy wife. I'm talking about growth. It's a measure of me 
versus me yesterday versus me two days ago. Not a measure of me versus you. We're trying to raise women that understand that they can be classy, they can be beautiful, they can be petty, they can be smart, they can be knowledgeable, they can be independent. We are a new generation of women. We are not conformed or confined by everything that society has placed out for us. We're breaking out of the mold and creating something new for ourselves. We are Sassy and Safe Baby. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for a time to come into your presence, Lord, to be able to come and commune with, commune with you, to enter your throne room, to pray to you, God, to see you, to speak to you, to feel you. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, who helps us understand the scriptures, who helps us, who, who corrects us and convicts us in love, that we may be more like you. Lord, we thank you that the veil is torn, because at a certain time, a woman like myself could never do something like this. I could, because I could not even enter the church properly to engage with you. Before the Holy Spirit, we didn't have that privilege. Father, we thank, I thank you that you saw women, that you saw young women so fit and so worthy of being able to know you, that you sent your son to die for us. Lord, I pray that as we dissect the scriptures, Lord, I pray that as we, as we read your word, that your spirit will be made, that your presence will be made known and your spirit will be thick in this place, in this room as I record and everywhere that, and everywhere that this podcast goes, no matter where your servant is sitting, on the bus, in their car, at their work cubicle, in their room, wherever he or she on the receiving end is listening from, Lord, I pray that you will show yourself strong in that room for that is what you do. Lord, I pray that you will equip us and give us the grace to be able to do our part to ensure that people are no longer hurt on account of our actions. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. All right, so today we're going to be talking about the loveless church. And if we can all open our Bibles. Oh, T's putting on her teacher hat now. It's been a while since I did one of those, but, you know, we, we back. Because that's what I'm called to do and I got to live my purpose. So if we could just open up our Bibles. I'm going to use my standard Bible today, not my electronic. Okay, I'll use my electronic for a portion because I need different versions. But um, I want to use my standard Bible so you will hear the pages flipping. 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 Flip, flip. Flipping. Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, we are opening up to the book of Revelation chapter 2 verses 1 to 7. I'm just going to start reading from the New Living Translation in my physical Bible because that's what it is. And then we will move on to the other version. So the Loveless Church. Um, so in the New new and the NLT, it just says the message to the, the message to Ephesus. And the Bible reads, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. 
but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place amongst among the churches but this is in your favor you but this is your this is but this is in your favor you hate the evil deeds of the nick mm, just as i do anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches to everyone who is victorious i will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of god amen let's go to the new king james and the Bible reads to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write These things, these things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who do evil, that you have tested those who say they are apostles and, and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have, and you have persevered and had patience and had, and, and labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. I don't know why, like, when I'm reading out loud, it sounds like, okay, not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To, he, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Whew. I don't know that when I, I don't know why when I read out loud, I sound like I'm illiterate. Like you know, you just get used to reading your head all the time that you you can't read out loud anymore. Okay, um, let's go to the Passion translation. And the Bible reads, write the following to the messenger of the congregation of Ephesus. For these are the words of the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand, who walks amongst, who walks, who, who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all that you have done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not, for they were imposters. I also know how you have bravely uh, I also know how you have I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name yet you have not become discouraged but I have this against you you have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning think about how far you have fallen repent and do the works of love you did at first I will come to you repent I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not re repent although to your credit you despise the pra the practices of the Nicolaitans which I also despise the one whose heart is open let him let him listen carefully to what the spirit is saying now to all the churches to the one who overcomes I will give access to feast on the fruit of the tree of life which is found in the paradise of God who one more because I really can't read tonight um Okay, I'm going to do um, ERV, which is the easy to read version of the Bible. Okay. Once more. And the Bible reads, write this to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Here is a message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know what you do, how hard you work and never give up. I know that you don't accept evil people. You have tested those who say they are apostles, but not are, but are not. You have found that they are liars. You never stop trying and you have endured troubles for my name and have not given up. But I have this against you. You have left the love you had in the beginning. So remember 
where you were before you fell. Change your hearts and do what you did at first. If you don't change, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But there is something that you do do right. You hate the things that the Nicolaitans do, that, that the Nicolaitans do, which I hate also. Everyone who hears this should listen to what the Spirit says to his churches, to the churches. To those who win the victory, I will give the right to eat the fruit from the tree of life, which is in God's paradise. Amen. That was a lot of versions, but I really wanted you to get the concept. Okay, so if we do a quick dissection here, I'm not going to go super in because, you know, we try to keep it short these days. But um, when I'm doing a quick dissection here, there's certain things that just stick out to me from the beginning. So right from the beginning, the Bible says, write this letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Even though the church was was um, engaging in this act, it was probably the leaders, the members, everybody that was engaging in these acts, the letter was specifically sent to the angel of the church right so that sticks out to me now if we now to give you some background on the people of Ephesus the people of Ephesus naturally the people that lived in that city were an independent people Ephesus was what at a point the main city in Asia it contained the temple of Artemis so it was a very po- powerful prominent city it actually became the richest the richest one of the richest cities in that part of the world so the people of Ephesus they were naturally very very independent they really didn't <laughs> check for nobody there was even a point where they um declined help in rebuilding their temple their temple was destroyed and and someone like had asked to help them and they were like nah we don't need you like they were they were feeling themselves they got a little cocky but they were they were feeling themselves so those were the type of people that they were naturally and as the scripture says the people there they had really good theology and they were they persevered and they were very faithful number one the fact that the message was addressed to the angel of the church sticks out to me. Number two, the second thing that sticks out to me is that that the um, that verse two starts with, I know all the things that you do. That shows that God, Christ, that, that shows that God knows, like he knows what goes on. He said, I know all the things that you do. I know. He knows what goes on in our churches, y'all. He knows. It's not like, I know some people be like, how can God allow this to be happening? How can God allow these people to be doing this? God knows. He said, I know all the things that you do. He knows all things. Not just the stuff that happens on church, at church, on the stage. He knows all things. The things that happen behind the scenes, the rest of the week, not on Sunday, what people be doing. So the fact that he says that and he states that really sticks out to me. This is how I dissect the word, so... We're going to go through it. The Bible says, I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. Sandwich method. He's letting them know that you do some good things. I see what you do. I see how you work for me. Patience and endurance. That That is like for labor. He sees the works that they do. And the fact that they don't tolerate false prophets. So they know they have discernment to be able to discern who is of God and who is not. Hello, somebody. And then they suffer without quitting. Again, goes back to works, but also persecution. They're being persecuted for his name's sake and they suffer without, and they suffer 
and they suffer without quitting. Shout out to the church of Ephesus. But then he says, but I have this complaint against you, which shows us that in God, it's not some, which shows, which shows me, which says to me that in God, you can't pick and choose what you want to do. Even though they're doing all these great things, he will still say, but I have this complaint against you. God literally just said that you have been persecuted for my sake. You are faithful. You persevere. You know right from wrong. You let you you study your word. You know the right theology. You do all these things right, but you do this wrong. It's like an African parent. Like, oh, daddy, I got 92% on my test. Oh, but what about the other 8%? That's kind of like what God was doing there. But it just shows me that you can't pick and choose what you want to be. If you're going to be a Christian, you're going to be a Christian all the way. So he says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. So turn back to me and do what you did at first. That says to me that because they don't have love, they've turned away from God. Huh? How could they have turned away from God over one thing when he just listed all the things that they do? He said they are persecuted for his name. Doesn't the Bible say, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake? Like you should be blessed if you do that. The fact that they're persecuted for his namesake, they're faithful, they persevere, they do all these wonderful things, they have the sermon, they don't listen to false teachings, still, God would say you have turned from me just because you don't love. Damn. And the greatest of these is love. And then he says, if you don't repent, which means this is a sin, you have to repent if you fail to have love, it's a sin, you need to repent. I will come and remove your lampstand from the its place among the churches. That's what it says in my physical Bible, NLT. I believe one of the, the, the versions, it says, I will remove you from your place of influence. So the, uh, it shows me that the church is of high prominence, of high importance. If you fail to love, I will remove you from your place of influence. You will be removed from that place. You will no longer be one of the churches Uh, uh, you will no longer be one of the seven churches and then he says this is in your favor the fact that you hate the evil deeds of the the Nicolaitans or whatever blah 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 okay not blah 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 it's the word of God but like it says that if you that like then he goes back to reiterate the good things that they do and if they repent they would have the the fruit of the tree of life in the paradise of God. I did a little IGTV on the tree of life, so um, I'm not gonna explain the tree of life. You can go watch that on my Instagram at Teresajmang. Um, yeah, so that's my quick little word dissection. Um, so this is obviously very powerful. So the rhema for me in this, so the part that sticks out to me the most is the fact that he would say that you turn turn back to me. So that shows me that uh, a church. That shows me that a church that does not love is a church that is has turned a church that has that does not have love in the eyes of God is a church that has turned away from him. That church that is sinning and must repent. But I bring that down to a smaller scale. Every time I read the Bible, I don't look at it just black and white. I bring it down to a smaller scale. And like I said, I want to talk from the leader and membership perspective. I see it as as a leader. As a leader in church, if I don't have love, I've turned away from God. Even though I'm serving faithfully, even though I'm being persecuted for his name, even though what all the things that are being listed there, what is it? I have discernment, I'm, um, I know correct theology, so obviously I'm reading my word. Even though I don't tolerate evil people, I, I, I work hard, I patient, and do everything that I've done 
even though I do all the things that are listed there or even things that are not listed there in my personal life, if I don't have love, God sees it as I've turned away from him. Now, love is one of the issues that arise when we talk about church hurt. Many people feel like they go into a church and they're not loved. They feel like maybe upon going in, they, they receive love and they feel the love. But as they sit there, when they're actually going through things, when they actually have issues that they're dealing with, when they actually need the love of their leaders, when they actually need the love of the leaders and their, their leaders and their brothers and sisters, they don't receive that. So love is one of the main, main causes of church hurt. They feel judged. They feel abandoned. At the end of the day, all those feelings surface from a lack of love. From the leadership perspective, I'll say, and I'll be honest with you, um, at the beginning, when I, well, at the beginning, more so at my previous church, not so much this one because I've grown, but um, at the beginning when I first got into leadership, I was so excited. I was so like elated that, wow, I'm actually gonna be a leader. Like, cause I saw the things that other leaders were doing and the fact that I would be able to walk in that role and be doing the same thing and see how God could use me in that way. That was like my main focus. And I'll be honest with you, back then I really did not have love. <laughs> I did not, like I love people, but I didn't have the love that the Bible is talking about. I would have I would have been one of these people that the, 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 the that the letter to the church of Ephesus is being directed to because I was doing everything asked of me. I would bus from Brampton all the way to my church. That's three hours. I would bus and 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 youth church was on Saturday too, so it was actually three hours. I would bus three hours to church, and if I had to bus back, fine. Hopefully, I get a ride. But if I don't, it's okay. Like I don't even mind. There's sometimes where I'll pay taxis, pay Uber, money that I did not have because I was so in love with God. Watch that, in love with God, and I would do everything that was required of me. I would serve and serve and serve and serve and serve. I would use my student loans, y'all, to give offering, to buy things for ministry because I didn't care. Like, I love God. He saved me. He changed my life. He healed me from a broken heart. Oh my God, God is, I love, watch this love. I love him so much. I'm gonna use my OSAT money to give offering, that uh, to give offering and tithe and 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 seeds that I don't have. Like, I don't care. This is for God. I'm gonna do it because I love, watch that, love him. Yet still, I could, looking back now, I could identify as being one of these people in the churches because my mind was so focused on serving God and loving God and doing everything I need to do for God because I loved him. But now in my spiritual maturity and wisdom, I know that you cannot love God without loving his people. And if you can't express and give the same love and devotion that you would give to God, to his people in the church, then you don't really love God. And that's why I kept pointing out when I said love, because I was doing all these things out of love, failing to realize that in doing all of that for God out of love, by neglecting his people, it was a lack of love. That's why the Bible would say, Jesus told Peter what? If you love me, keep my sheep. One of the greatest acts of love for God is keeping his sheep. We know the love languages test. We've all taken it. If you haven't, what are you saying? Like, go take the test. I, my love language kind of changes per season, per season. Right now, it's really words of affirmation. Like, I want to hear you talk the talk. Tell me what I mean to you, okay? And... 
any person in a relationship or any person that has tried to build a relationship or even in a friendship knows that you can't love people how you receive love or how you want to give love. You have to love them the way they need to be loved or how they receive it or else there'll always be a miscommunication. For example, if my love language is words of affirmation and somebody is constantly showering me with gifts, I would feel, okay, great, this person loves... I may feel like, yeah, the per- I mean I mean a lot to the person because they keep buying me gifts, but it will never mean as much to me as the words of affirmation. I can do without the gifts if I get the words of affirmation, but if I get aff- the get just the gifts with no words of affirmation, I will still feel a lack of love because that is the way that I need to be loved. And that's why we do the test. And the Bible says, Christ says in his word, if you love me, keep my sheep. And sometimes as a leader, you can become so devoted to doing the work of God and the work of God, doing the work of God because you love him, that you neglect his sheep. And that's what I believe that the angel, and that's what I believe that this letter, that the letter John wrote to the church of Ephesus is saying, because how could a church be loveless if they're doing all the works? How can a church be loveless if they're persecuted for his name, if they're working hard, if they're patient and enduring, if they're if they're not tolerating evil people, if they know correct theology so they're reading and studying their word, if they're, they have the discernment to be able to discern between the real and the false preachers, how can you be doing all that for God and, and be loveless? How can you be doing all that for God and he still say, you, for, you have forsaken the love you had for me at first? Because, well, he says it in the next sen- sentence. You no longer have the love for each other that you once had. And then he says, you have fallen. Turn back to me. Repent. And so leaders, whether you're a leader in church, a leader in society, a leader in the world, a leader in your workplace, in school, career, whatever it is. If you love God like you say you love God, keep his sheep. If you love me, keep my sheep. Be there for the people that need you. Show them love in any way that you can. Not in just how you feel that they need it, but in the way they receive it. And people will show you the way they receive love. And that means when people are calling you at 3 a.m. and you want to sleep or you're busy, but they need help, you be there for them. When people reach out to you with your problems, with their problems and their issues and you're so annoyed because they're always going through something, you be there for them. When it's inconvenient to when it's inconvenient to you as a leader but a member of the flock needs you you be there for them if you love me keep my sheep keeping something means holding it sacred if your friend gives you something to borrow or to hold you don't want to be the one caught slipping you don't want to be the one losing it or getting rid of it if God entrusts you as a leader with souls, with his sheep, to be the tangible evidence of him on earth, to show them love, you cannot heal them. You cannot save them. You cannot do all those things. That's his job. All he says is give them love. If he trusts you with his sheep, keep them. If I tell you the amount of time that people have been hurt by the church that have left the church, sheep that have been miskept because they made a mistake, You make mistakes too, just in private. Yours just don't come out. Everybody makes mistakes, just that some people get caught. Yes, some people slip and they make the same mistake over and over. They don't even fall. They just sinning at this point. Like a fall is an occasional thing. If you're walking and you fall, then that's a fall. But if you're dragging yourself along the ground, that's no longer a fall. Like you just, you just 
you fell and you've been fall, you've been and you've been down and and yes yeah, some people live their life that way they they act honestly they it's not even a thing it's not even a thing about falling they just stay down they are dragging themselves the same way they just sinning at this point and it's frustrating and it's annoying because some of us really be keeping ourselves and it's like, mm, you just not, you just not gonna, you just not gonna do the right thing. I get it. I understand. But at the same time, condemnation is not your job. <laughs> Punishment is not your job. Outcasting someone, that is not your job. Your job is to keep the sheep. So if a person does that and they feel outcasted, they feel judged, they feel punished, they feel a lack of love from you who have been entrusted to keep the sheep, who's at fault here? Because the last time I checked, the Bible said, if you repent your sins, you will be forgiven, right? God expects us to sin. He wishes we won't, but he expects us to sin because we have sin nature. But you have been given a command to keep the sheep despite. Keeping the sheep doesn't mean only when they're good. Keeping the sheep doesn't mean only when it's convenient. Keeping the sheep only doesn't mean, doesn't only mean only when they're nice. Keeping the sheep means when the lions and the wolves want to attack them. If you are a shepherd, you know David as a shepherd, he fought a lion and a bear. When a lion, a bear, a wolf tries to come and attack the sheep, that's when you have to stand on guard as the shepherd and block the bear and block the lion and fight the bear and fight the lion even though the sheep keeps on even though the sheep keeps wandering off you know you're supposed to stay here with the rest of the sheep only you stubborn sheep you want to wander off all the time to a place where you're vulnerable only you all the time you want to keep going to that man's house only you all the time you want to find yourself in trouble with the law still if you love me keep my sheep do not let them slip from the palm of your hand because you're so focused on everything about you. You're so focused on doing works. You're so focused on your relationship with just God that you neglect the relationship with people. If you love me, keep my sheep. It's very simple. And now from the member perspective, um, I have been in situations where I have failed to feel the love of those above me, where I've needed the help, the love, or I've needed the help, the guidance, and the love from my leaders, and I failed to receive that. So I know how it feels. I know how it is to want to leave a church or want to be, or to want to leave a church or want to leave a place because of church hurt. I know. I understand. I've been there. Um, I'm sure we've all been there once, to be honest, but um, what I've learned is that, and I hope you, you, you understood it from the leadership perspective I just gave, that everybody is on a journey to becoming. The people that are ahead of you, set ahead of you, even your pastor is still chasing after God. They're still like... It's so easy sometimes. I know this is something I used to do back in the day. I would look as, at the pastor as having arrived. Like I would say, when I become a pastor, that means that I've, I've done it. I've peaked in, 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 in um, this walk. 
Yeah, I looked at pastor as like the final level. But our walks with God is not, it's not a game. It's not levels for which to be achieved. Leadership, pastoring, they're not levels of which to be achieved. That person up there is at the bottom to somebody else. Right now, you're at the bottom. You may be a member sitting in a church and you're looking at your pastors, you're looking at the leaders as they're at the top. But them, their top is somebody else's bottom. There's somebody that they look up to or they, they submit to, someone that's their boss, their pastor, their their leader, and so on and so forth. Because they're not levels to be attained. Like, what it is is you. I pour into you who pours into you to pour into you. Like, it's just a domino effect. And... Understanding that and realizing that has better helped me realize and, and and be more compassionate for people in position because I know that they're becoming. They're still figuring things out. They're still making mistakes. They're still sinning every day. They're still getting their walks with God together. They're still chasing purpose. They're still trying to fulfill it. They're doing everything that I'm doing. They're just doing it entrusted with they're just they're doing everything that but basically we're all in the same position is what i'm trying to say in so many words they're doing everything i'm doing but they just have more people attached to theirs right now but there will come a time where i will have people attached to mine too because it's all a journey of becoming right and that has really helped me be more compassionate that now that is not to say that it's not their job because like I said, if you've been entrusted in that position, if God has called you, you've prayed, you've showed yourself forth, you've asked for a promotion, whatever it is that got you there, God has trusted you with people's lives. He's trusted you with souls and he's asked you to keep their sheep. So I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not trying to justify the lack of love that you may feel. But I want to say this because I want you to understand that everybody is becoming and everybody is human. And in, in being that, there will always be some mistake. We talked about last week, the humanity of, 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 of the art. We talked about last week, our humanity. There will always, the people will always fall short. And I'm saying this to say, In plain words, you shouldn't leave because you feel a lack of love. If not the church, at least not the body of Christ. Somebody somewhere will love you. It's like when you are in a relationship. I'm sure all of us on here have been in a relationship, even if we haven't, we've had a crush or something. There have been some sort of romantic something that you've been in. If it doesn't work with one person, do you give up and decide you're never going to date again? I'm staying single. I'm never getting married. Well, some people do. I'm staying single. I'm never getting married. No, you heal and then you try again. And that's how it should be with our walks with God. Our walk on our walk with God. You may experience the lack of love from one person. Heal from that and try again. Somebody somewhere will love you. As the Bible said, I know all the things you do. God knows everything that goes on. He says, I know all the things you do. He has knowledge of his people and their activities. All that to say is that he knows what you're going through. So you should be able to talk to him, take it to him, pray to him, let him know that God, I'm feeling a lack of love from this person. Help me. You know, I started doing that. 
I started doing that when I have issues or something with people. Like someone, someone's irritating me constantly. I started bringing them to the Lord in prayer. And I know like it's cliche, but I actually started bringing them to the Lord in prayer. And more times, the Holy Spirit will reveal to me why they are the way they are. They will reveal to me that maybe they're going through something or 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 their upbringing or what. Like more times, the Holy Spirit will reveal to me why this person is, is acting like this, why this person is manifesting. Because sometimes you just be sitting there and you wonder, ah, <laughs> why is this person acting like that? What have I done? Or what's wrong with them? Why are they so this way? Why are you so mad? Why are you so bitter? Why is your face always screwed? Like, can you smile? What's wrong with you? How are you a leader and you can't? Ah! What kind of leader is this? Where's the love? I don't feel it. And I've actually started bringing people to God in prayer and asking him to reveal them to me. And in doing that, I've been able to see, like God will tell me that, oh, this person is this way because of this. And when you do that, you really become to see that in so much as you need love, they need love. And that's what I'm talking about with, it's all a process of becoming everybody. We're all going through the same thing. We're all in the same place. Maybe the love that you desire, they can't give you because they've never had. They're in that position, yes. God has called them and chosen them and asked them to do this work, yes. Because that's what God does. He's pruning them. He's teaching them. He's expanding them. He's stretching them. But they don't even know how to show love because they've never received it. And when you begin to see and understand things from that perspective, you become so compassionate and you know that, wow, like this is not a personal vendetta against me. And I think also it helps you to be able to stand on your own because you know that this person needs me as much as I need them. To be completely honest with you, my best leadership moments have never been in church holding an event doing an event ministering in church or anything like that they've always been in private outside of church the other six days of the week when I've made a mistake when I've dropped the ball when I've hurt somebody when I've offended somebody when I wasn't there for somebody who needed me as a leader those were the times that I was able to reflect where the Holy Spirit would, would, would correct me and teach me and improve my leadership and have me go back and apologize and have me learn from that. So a lot of times as members, we, we look to the leaders and expect so much from them, but forget that the reason that they're in the position is for God to stretch them and for God to teach them something new. God is using their position to teach them and to grow them, which means that God is using you as a member to grow that person. So ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to the loveless church in the body of Christ, I see on Twitter all the time people saying they don't feel love in church. They feel judged in church. They don't feel accepted in church. There's a lack of love in church culture. I see it. I hear it. I know it. I know how all people feel. God has already made it clear that those who fail to love, they who fail to repent, they will be removed from their place of influence. So leaders, <laughs> this one's for you. If you continue after you've heard this podcast because you no longer are, are in the dark, you are now enlightened. If you feel a little something in your chest, it's called conviction. It's okay. Repent, as the Bible says. If you being enlightened now know the issue you felt the conviction and you still decide not to repent, what is he gonna do? Take you from your place of influence. So if you wanna stay there, you better repent. (laughs) But not just leaders, people of God in general. Let's stop making everything about us and God and start relating with people. You don't have to be a leader to love. 
as a member, you can do member to member love, okay? Sometimes the person that you've not, the per, that person that you haven't been seeing coming to church for weeks, that person that used to be so on fire but disappeared, reach out to them. Take somebody for lunch. Hey, just checking on you. How you been? Haven't seen you in a while. Do you need a ride today? Go out of your way to inconvenience yourself to show love to someone. Whether you're a leader, whether you're a member, whether you wash plates, no matter what you do, where you do it, in church, out of church, love. Because if you love me, the command was to Peter, but to all of us, leadership or not, keep my sheep. What have you done to keep the Lord sheep this week? What have you done to keep someone this week? What have you done to keep someone in faith, to keep someone in church, to keep someone on course? And now here's your homework, because I said we're going to do this from now on. I'm challenging you between now and the next episode, which I hope will be next Wednesday, (laughs) to take a step to show love every single day. Every single day, inconvenience inconvenience yourself to love someone. Let's call it the love challenge. Inconvenience yourself every day to love someone in whatever way you can. If you really want to take it a step further, you 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 can hashtag and tag me on Twitter. Let me know that you're doing it. What's up, society? Love challenge. Hey, I like that. Society love challenge. Society love challenge. And then just tag me or whatever. But... Go out of your way this week to show somebody love. Reach out to somebody, give somebody a ride. Go out of your way, buy lunch for someone. Send somebody like $20 to buy lunch or something. I don't know. Do something to show somebody that you love them. Do something to take the step to keeping God's sheep. The Bible says, as we read, you can be doing all things for God, but if you fail, But if you forsake the love which you had for him by loving your neighbor, you've sinned and you must repent. So let this be a lesson onto somebody. And as you pray today, tomorrow, whatever, I don't know when you pray. As you pray, ask God to give you a heart of love. Create in me a clean heart and purify me. Pray that prayer and ask God to rekindle the love which you had at first for him and for his people. That he will give you a heart of love of love that anything that has caused you to lack love or to lose the level of love which you once had that innocent baby child love whatever it is the storms of life or the things that have come to impede the love which you have at first pray that he will cleanse you and make you anew make you afresh that he will change you that you may have that love which you once had at first i'm gonna do it i hope you do it too As we established last week, the church is a hospital for the sick, and we are all sick. If you go to church and expect people to never fall short, to never fall in sin, to not stop making the same mistake over and over and over again, to be completely perfect because they're in a place of position to not hurt you, your church will be empty. That will never happen. People are going to hurt you and they're going to fail. And like I said last week, if you want to love, you need to be vulnerable. Pain is a part of the process. On the, on the road, on the journey to love, pain is a part of the process. Pain is, a, pain is brought through vulnerability. And vulnerability is necessary for love. So if you want to experience love, you have to be ready to experience pain. I pray that you were blessed by this episode. Next 
week. Ooh, now I said it. I gotta stick to it. We will talk about the message to the church of Smyrna. Uh, what was it? Smyrna? Smyrna? Yeah, the message to the church of Smyrna. Smyrna? I don't know how it's called. I'll do some more studying and we will come back and talk about the other ways in which people are hurt by the church. Y'all, obviously these problems have been around our whole, it's been around from before we were born, right? In the beginning, it's in the Bible. And we may not be able to put a stop to it, but we can certainly do our part to ensure that we're not adding to it. If we ain't working for God, who are we working for? The devil. So let's do everything we can to make sure that we are indeed walking with, repping and working for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love you. I hope you were blessed. You know the drill, screenshot, post, tag. Me on Instagram, tag Sassy and Save Movement on Instagram. Let people know what's up. Share the word with your friends. I hope that you learn something that you can share with somebody else who will also learn something so that we can all come into the revelation of this together and we can all be better. You know the drill. You know what to do. Until next time, Sassy and Save, baby. Mm-hmm.